1: After three long weeks, Snow the goalie, the only Flyers podcast is back. I'm Russ Joy at Joy on Broad. Joined as always by the fantastic, the incredible. He's a heck of a guy. He's not a doll. Anthony Sanfilippo, who you can find on Twitter at Ant ah. San Philly. Anthony uh, is munching over there on a uh, cupcake to lead off the show. Yeah. Uh, this is a this is a, a, a weird time for us to record. Uh, it is. A few episodes ago, you were complaining that I woke you up at like 6 a.m. on a Sunday to record. And you didn't feel totally with it. And here we are. It's 1130. And uh, this is way past my bedtime. Yeah. And uh, I I waited up for, I think, about an hour past what I I thought I was going to have to. So I, of course, turn on Bachelor in Paradise. (laughs) And had to watch all the commercials. The DVR didn't work, and I really hate myself for getting into the show. I don't know what's wrong with me. Well, I have a few ideas of what's wrong with me, but uh, not that all nonwithstanding. I thought, you know, what do I do? I'm gonna I'm gonna kill time by watching this. And of course, I went to my cabinet and I heated up. And and I don't know if anybody listening to this is gonna recognize this food, but Campbell's Raviolios, which I I also claim are the only ravioli to be
0: consumed in a can. And, Wait a uh, second. Can uh, I well, stop you? Yeah. Now, I know for a fact, even though uh, your last name is Joy, I know for a fact that you have a lot of Italian blood in you. That is true. Okay. How the hell can you eat ravioli out of a can?
1: Yana, This man asked me a question that I don't think is very fair. <laughs>
0: <That's> I would <laughs> like to have it stricken from the record. I, come he, on. So come on. I mean, there is nothing that's Italian that? that's canned that's good. Everything's fresh. That's what makes Italian food Mar- good. Whoa,
1: whoa, whoa, whoa. San Marzano tomatoes. Imported oh. straight from Italy. Those are okay in a can. Come on. You're going to tell me... Th- what do you... Never mind. Uh, we're, we're not going to go there. Um, you're, you're killing listen, me right now. Listen, there's, there's a bit of childhood nostalgia because, I, again, I don't know if anybody listening would re- uh, recognize this, but back in the day, they were called Garfield ravioli. And then mm. they lost the, uh, I guess, the rights to use the Garfield image. And the only place I can find them now is like at a... Uh, a um a walmart in norristown so i don't know if that says about my my selection of uh, ravioli but uh anyway i ate that got my second win and here we are that was a really way too long story to uh lead us back into the three week or so hiatus that we've had here on snow the goalie and yeah. uh what what kind of cupcake were you eating uh i don't know it's a, it's a hostess um... well hold on a
0: second well hostess Hostess, uh, you didn't go with Tasty Cake. I like Tasty Cakes. I really do. This one just happened to be sitting there in the fridge. It was a single by itself. It's a, it was you know one of those chocolates with the cream inside, and it's got like the uh, chocolate
1: cream inside or, or vanilla cream inside. No, vanilla cream inside. Okay, that's it, fair. Know, it's
0: got like the little white design, little loopy loops, loopy loops. Yeah, whatever mm-hmm. they're called. I don't know. Okay. It was just one single it's one a sitting in the term. fridge. It's a culinary I'm, sure term. The kid, I'm sure the kids put it in there, and you know whatever. I grabbed it at 11:30 <laughs> at night, and of course. Poor kids got a long night, man. I saved. I saved this tasty cake for myself.
1: <laughs> Dad, <laughs> what did you do? I uh, get. It I doesn't matter.
0: Yep. And, but the thing of it is, they always eat my stuff, so it, it's nonstop. Like you know, that they're constantly eating what I bring home. So if I stole one of theirs, oops, big deal. Yep. <laughs> I'm, <laughs> so, I'm still minus six thousand in my lifetime.
1: Yeah, and what I was gonna say, you're minus a, a whole lot more money. I'm finding that with uh, with two little yeah. kids, I can't imagine with. Uh, Kids yeah. as old as yours. I, I guess I get to find that out someday. Anyway, yep. so we've got we've got a little bit of flyer stuff to talk about, of course, um, uh, and get away from just our food preferences. Um, just wanted to, I think, address something really quick. Uh, we have talked about you know having guests on in the past, and we've had uh, Travis Sanheim and Ron Hextall. And part of the reason that we were on a delay for a few weeks is we were trying to to nail down having a guest on, and, you know, sometimes it just, it just so happens that the scheduling and everything doesn't work out, and then uh, I usually am the one to punt a few days where I go, well, you know what, why don't we just wait and see if things pan out, and then, you know, a couple days becomes a week, becomes two, and then almost three weeks, but here we are. So, Anthony, do you want to make the announcement about who uh, will be appearing on an episode at some point next week?
0: Yeah, no, so we're, we're I'm, this is definitely happening, um, uh, we'll be heading over to uh, Voorhees, uh, flyers skate zone and sitting down with an interesting guy alex lyon and uh, people are like well geez why are you getting alex lyon you couldn't get anybody else fact of the matter is is that as of right now there is no other flyers player skating over there who played for the team last year there's some prospecty type guys and you know minor leaguers that are over there but <laughs> actually alex lyon is the only one uh who skated over there today um who played a game for the Flyers last year. Um but aside from that, he's actually a really interesting cat. I mean, he is really bright. He's a great interview. He'll be a phenomenal guy to talk to, just you know, about hockey and stuff, but also about things outside of hockey. He's he's fun. he's down to earth, and he'll be really kind of cool. So, we're going to talk to Alex Lyon next week over at uh at Skate Zone and uh, we'll run we'll air the show probably. Thursday, right? I mean, if we're going to do the interview, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So we beginning of the week, probably Thursday it'll air. Yeah. So I'm I'm also thinking, you know, I kind of want to
1: get his his thoughts on the universe, and uh, if he thinks it's it's so humongous, (laughs) big, I think these are these are really important things. And by the way, if anybody sits back and says like, well, why would you get Alex Lyon? First of all, I would point to his 94 save performance for uh, for the Phantoms and say, you know, I don't look, I don't care how good. Or bad, you think a player is? You make 94 saves in any kind of professional hockey game. Uh, you are certainly worthy of of being interviewed. And um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I'm I'm actually pretty excited to uh, to hear from Alex. And especially, you know, we've talked in the past about how there's still so this this goalie logjam that has not been resolved. And I'm going to be interested to see, obviously, how this pans out. But um, you know, Lyon was one of the going back to it, I think was one of the only four guys that were singled out by Ron Hextall in the interview that we did with him a few months ago as being somebody who, you know, he saw growth in. And um, I I don't know, I kind of read in a little bit more, I think, to those names that Hextall dropped. And I'm still expecting them uh, to, you know, be guys that challenge for roster spots. So I wouldn't be surprised to see Alex line up here. If if not by virtue of him making it uh, just on merit, we know that that uh, Neuvert is likely going to get injured at some point uh, when the team needs him most. So we'll, we know that Alex Lyon will be up.
0: I, yeah, you know what the interesting thing is, Russ? I, I'm i pretty confident uh, that Alex Lyon will stay with the organization um, and that he'll be one of the guys that's playing uh, probably beginning of the year at the AHL um, with the Phantoms. Uh, but I'm pretty confident that somebody's going to be out of here. And who that somebody is, we know it's not going to be Carter Hart. Beyond that, we don't know. <laughs> I mean, it could be any of the other four guys, Brian Elliott, Michael Neuver. Uh, it could be Alex Lyon, although I don't think it will be, or Anthony Stolarz. All five are signed, and there's no not room for five guys. So somebody's somebody's got to go. Unless they have now, burgers and fries. Yeah, but, but right now, I mean, it's smart, I think, for Hextall to keep all five guys and go into training camp with five and then you know, let the chips fall where they may, and if all five are healthy uh, toward the end of training camp, then okay, then you can move one. Um, but you never know. I mean, with the amount of injuries that these guys have had, especially a guy like Neuver and, you know, even Brian Elliott last year um, and Anthony Stolarz last year, um, you know, it's probably worth having an extra guy at this point and then wait and see what happens. Um, I don't think you're going to see any of them go down to the ECHL. Um just don't I don't see it I don't I don't think it makes no sense to start Carter Hart there down there it makes little sense to really hang on to Anthony Stolarz if that's where you're going to send him um and ditto Lyon I mean Lyon played at the NHL level last year and did it you know did fine why would you suddenly put him in the ECHL so I don't think anybody's going to Reading um or no it's not even Reading anymore it's uh uh, that's right. They're in Maine now, the Maine Mariners. Um, so it's uh, yeah. I, I think somebody's going to be moved, in, unless somebody gets hurt. Um, but it'll probably come later in camp or right before the season starts. So yeah, uh, there we go. That's I I think a pretty pretty comprehensive way to look at it. Yeah, um, yeah. So I'm looking forward. So to like, right? I think, and like yeah, I said, he's a fun guy. I mean, he's he's real. He's brilliant. He's probably smarter than everybody at Crossing Broad together that's like really he's that bright you know he's that smart of a guy i
1: don't know if that's setting the bar kind of low for us or the bar extremely high for him but that's fine yeah <laughs> do- there's there's doctors there's attorneys and wow all right alex <laughs> line is smarter than everybody else all right yeah, i was gonna say speak for yourself but that's fine all right so it's
0: uh everybody everybody at the hey, we have the do, do- we, we might have doctors and lawyers but when it comes to sports <laughs> they don't have any degree whatsoever
1: all right that's fair well <laughs> you just haven't you haven't seen me uh ball up in the post it's okay take you take it down to the woodshed anyway um so really quick uh that that was one announcement we wanted to make um i I think that's probably it on the uh the interview front um there was um a little bit of uh drama that i I just wanted to address really quick so there's uh there's kind of been this like Passive sort of thing that's been going on between, uh, I I guess our show and uh, some of the fine folks over at, uh, at BSH Radio, and I, I don't know what the total genesis of the whole thing is. It seems like people listen to both shows and then uh, like tweet at one or the other about it, and just just to address it really quick, I think I talked uh, to Kyle about this on Crossing Broadcasts maybe like a week or two ago. Um, I know at least from my vantage point. I don't really have anything personal against anybody who does any of the podcasts uh, for the Flyers. We obviously joke about being the only hockey podcast, um, but we've obviously acknowledged in the past that there are other ones out there. Um, I just think, you know, based on the feedback that we get and based on the fact that, you know, so many people have presumably been flocking to, uh, to snow the goalie. um, I'm just kind of getting the feeling that there's been a a little bit of a, you know, a, of sentiment of, you know, wanting some change in the market. And I think the fact that uh, this show has been able, and especially this is uh, totally credited to Anthony, the fact that we've been able to get on people like Travis Sanheim, uh, preparing for his first playoff run, been able to get Ron Hextall, we'll be getting Alex Lyon, probably be getting some other people, you know, as the season starts to gear up. I think there's just going to be this kind of an, an inherent thing that's going to happen amongst any of the shows. Um, and there, it's it's all a competition, and so like whatever listeners want to find and whatever kind of voice they want to listen to, like that that is totally up to every listener. And I think that the only thing that I take issue with um, is when there's a broad stroke that's being painted against the site as a whole as being devoid of sports content. And I don't think it's fair to people like Anthony and to uh, Kevin Kincaid, who covers the Sixers, who had previously covered the Philadelphia Union as a beat writer. I don't think it's fair to them especially i also don't think it's fair to bob who does all the philly stuff who i would say you know covers the phillies about as well as anybody else in the city um and of course you know they're contributors we've got coggin who does you know sometimes satirical things sometimes you know pretty well thought out things tim who will come out of nowhere in our slack chat uh with a uh, a, a notice that he has a post ready to go and it's usually one of the better thought out things that we've read um and you know phil will jump in and contribute Sometimes he likes to uh, kind of light a fire under everybody in Slack and take a, a totally opposite perspective, and and that's pretty great. But, like, I don't think it's fair to attack an entire site because, you know, it used to be of a certain style. It It is a, a different site now, and uh, that's the only thing I want to say about it. And just make sure that, well, I guess, we kind of get that uh, part of this on the record. I don't really care what anybody else does. Um, I just don't think it's necessarily fair to the hard work of the people who work for the site to, you know, paint it as some kind of like sensationalist TMZ-esque site when that's just certainly not what it's been, at least for the last year and a half or so. So that was it.
0: I have no idea what you're talking about. Okay. So let's move on. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) um, But I know, I I will say this. This is what I will say. I do appreciate um, everything that you just said um and i do think that people are entitled to have whatever opinion they want to have so if they like what we they like what we say it's great if they don't like what we say it's a shame but um we're going to keep saying it so um yeah we're going to keep doing our thing at, at crossing broad it's a very good group of people it's a, it's a very talented group of people and you know i like everybody here and uh it, yeah i don't think we're going anywhere so um so that's it that's that's all I have to say I, I I don't pay attention really to a lot of stuff that goes on around us <laughs> um, I'm usually the last to know I'm not in the slack chat like you guys are as often uh, I, I I drop in <laughs> like Tim every once in a while with something to say um, but I don't you know I don't usually uh, have it up because I'm doing so many other things but uh, yeah no I, I love the guys that we have and I think that we're doing great work and I think that we have a real impact in this city and I think uh, one of the other things
1: you know as we get kind of prepped for this this flyer season is I think you know, for a site that covers all of the teams, uh, I think that the the hockey coverage that was provided, especially you know by you uh, for the very most part last year, and again with like Tim throwing in contributions, you know, where available. Um, I I always said that like the the thing that I always like about your writing specifically is you recognize and acknowledge advanced stats, but it's not something that you need to like pop an Excedrin migraine before you read. You do it in a way that kind of synthesizes those stats and puts them into, you know, including the human element. And it feels like so often in the city, and we talked about this on the episode that we did about the media, there's a, um, I think there's a big disconnect, at, especially in the Flyers' uh, beat writing core, of those who try to cover the human element, which I don't really see all that much of, those who try to, you know, fall uh, follow narratives or falsify narratives, uh, you know who you are, Panaccio, and, um, and those who, you know, really... Go all in on the advanced stats, and I think they all have a place. But I think, you know, if they're not all kind of woven together, then I I think you kind of alienate certain you know parts of the fan base. So I I think that maybe more than anything is something that, um, I know at least last year, when the whole site overhaul kind of started and you started putting your your, uh, I was gonna say pen to paper, your fingers to keyboard, I guess, um, that was a lot of the early feedback that had been coming back was it was just a a very well done thing, and that's kind of I think what you get from Kevin when he covers the Sixers, and that's what you get from Bob when he does the Phillies. So I, I I'm just really happy with the work that goes on at the site, and uh,
0: yeah, that's that. Well, thanks, thanks, Russ. I, I do appreciate that. You know, and, and and just so people know, I mean, my approach to it is always going to be, um, you know, to try and provide insight into a game, um, from a perspective of someone who, you know. Talks to a lot of people while I'm down there, you know it, the the beauty of what the beauty of what I have to do is for for crossing broad as a, as a hockey writer, is I don't necessarily have to have the story, you know, written immediately after the game is over, um, unless it's a you know a, an afternoon Saturday or Sunday game, whatever. But you know most of the time I can just. You know, submit it at six o'clock, seven o'clock the next morning for you know people to read as soon as they get to their uh, computer at work. So I have the luxury of of you know roaming around the press box and you know talking to a scout or talking to you know a team employee who's up there and and really kind of you know getting a different feel for what I'm watching below. Um, While the other writers who you know that they have a deadline to meet and that's what they're doing and I'm I'm not knocking them for that I mean that's just that's the nature of their job. Um, So I just I have a little bit more you know a little bit more leeway Um, and so therefore when I go to put that story together I want to offer insight that maybe you're not getting from somebody else. And it doesn't always mean that it's going to be what you're seeing on TV or what you're seeing live at the game or what you're hearing from the coach or what you're hearing from the players. It might be something completely different. And it might be a narrative that's not being told. And that's not because I'm trying to, you know, I have an agenda that I want to push, but rather it's what I'm being given, by people that are down there. And and, uh, and I will certainly try and appease all audiences. And that's why I include analytics. That's why I include the eye test for the old-fashioned fan. Um, but I, I at the same time, so I try to meld those things. But I also want to meld them around what I'm being told, which is a different, sometimes a different story than maybe what you're hearing from a post-game press conference or that you're reading in your next day's you know, online coverage of the team. So, I mean, that's just my approach to it. And, and you know, sometimes people are going to get frustrated with what I have to say because it's, it's, it, it, it is different. But sometimes people will appreciate it because it's different. So, like, you know, the old adage, I think, that never has never changed in uh, journalism is if you're making 50% of the people happy and 50% of the people are mad at you, then you're doing your job correctly. And so the way I look at it is if there are people who don't like what I have to say and there are people who like what I have to say, then I must be doing something right. Um, So that's how I kind of approach it. And I I don't take anything personally. I've never blocked anyone. Isn't that crazy? Like, you know, on Twitter, you see all these writers who block people because they get mad at the commentary. I don't block anybody. If you have something negative to say to me, I'll respond to you. But I'm not going to block you. You're entitled to your opinion, man, and that's 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 cool. Um, I'll respond until we get to a point where it's ridiculous, and I say, all right, that's enough. <laughs> but I'm not going to block you. So I mean, I just think that that's that's. I mean, you're you're a fan, and you're entitled to that, and that's great. So and anybody can anybody's entitled to their belief and to their and, and you know their take on the sport doesn't mean it's right, but they're entitled to it. And, uh, and so that's kind of my approach to uh, how I co- I'm going to cover the team. And that's it's not going to change for 2018-19, I can promise you that. It's something
1: exciting to, uh, to think about going forward. It's, um, yeah, you set the tone well. And obviously it goes over well enough. I mean, you can be critical and then still get access to, you know, Hextall and to these players. And so that obviously means that you know, the stuff that you're doing is respected and all that. So it's, it's good. It's a uh, it's, yep. uh, solid thing. So let's move on. Let's actually talk about some hockey stuff now that we got some of that. Uh, we got the food done. We got the uh, the quasi, quasi-drama thing done. So let's talk about uh, something that actually immediately impacts uh, the on-ice product for your team, your town, your Philadelphia Flyers. And that, of course, is the injury to Sean Couturier and what it means for uh, the team going forward, at least in the interim. And actually, I solicited questions on Twitter, and uh, one of them was from at uh, Snazzy Shoes eighty two, who said, "What do you do with coots? <laughs> you like
0: that, Snazzy what? Shoes? Snazzy, I love snazzy, it. Snazzy Shoes eighty two, Snazzy Shoes. That's tremendous. <laughs> the, what do you does do? It with, have a na- what, does the what, person what, have a name that goes just, with it? I just want to know just, if they, uh, they just DS. Oh, just DS. Yeah, okay, Snazzy Shoes is one of the great. Twitter names ever. I love it. Go ahead. What's the question? Is there a reason that
1: you're so in love with it? Is it because you... Because the word uh, snazzy doesn't exist in the uh, common vernacular of the uh, of the lay people these days?
0: Like, it's what's not going even, on? It's not even that it's not common vernacular of the lay people. It's not common vernacular from your sports people, people. right? Like, I, I, it, the reason we're recording at 1130 at night is because I had a rehearsal. I'm directing a musical, alright? Talk about Do two extremes. Go ahead. Right? Talk about two extremes. I don't need to plug the fact that I'm directing Guys and Dolls and Players Club of Swarthmore opening September 14th. And you can get your tickets at PCSTheater.org. I'm not going to plug that. Um, but what I'm going to say <laughs> is to is that- uh, pay the sponsor money for that thank you so much <laughs> don't forget if
1: you're interested in advertising on the uh, crossing broad podcast <laughs> network including snow the goalie crossing broadcast it's always soccer in philadelphia crossing broad fc and cross Up affiliates podcast uh reach out to me and i will uh point you in
0: the correct direction go ahead <laughs> no but the 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 thing of it is is that like i hear snazzy all the time from the theater people i never hear it in sports so the get snazzy shoes coming at me with a with a hockey question that's awesome it's awesome. Don't don't change. <laughs> I love it. Go ahead. What's the question? Going to the plate is Jimmy Rollins with
1: his snazzy shoes. All right. So yeah, that would, that would not. imagine Meryl Reeseau. <laughs> Never mind. I'm not gonna just start cranking out impressions. I promise. <sighs> There goes Corey Clement into the end zone for a touchdown. He has it because he's wearing stazzy shoes. Somehow that became also Jerry Seinfeld. All right, let's move on. So, <laughs> if that, well, that Stassi- didn't happen tonight because they got shut out five to nothing by the Cleveland. Five Browns. to nothing. I know it's like you look at it, it's like first quarter, uh, Cleveland five, Philadelphia zero. I'm like, oh, Sixers and uh, and Calves are playing a uh, a real barn burner of a, a first quarter there. Oh wait, it's football. That's great. The worst part is that it ended five nothing. That's That's really bad. Anyway, so Snazzy Shoe says, what do you do with Coots? Hold him out beyond four weeks. Surgery now. Sign a veteran. Um, I I, I have my opinion on this really, really quick, and I I think you'll offer a much more nuanced opinion of this. But to me, if if surgery is necessary or surgery is really going to fix it and it's not going to take him out for a significant chunk of the season, I think you got to do it. I think this is something that, that happens far too often in hockey with an injury that probably should Uh, have a surgery performed. The player tries to tough it out. It's hockey. This is just kind of the way it is. And you saw what happened to Wayne Simmons, especially in this past season, where there were obviously injuries that he had that should have been worked on, probably should have kept him off the ice. uh, And he played through it and was kind of a shell of the same player. They cannot afford to have Sean Couturier playing at, you know, 70% to start the season because everyone knows by the time the uh the season kind of winds down, he's gonna be at like what, forty
0: percent? You can't have that for your top line center. So four weeks tells me, when they say it's a four week injury, it tells me it's a meniscus. Okay. Uh if it was a ACL, MCL, PCL, L C L, whatever, those are longer term injuries and usually require surgery. Meniscus sometimes requires surgery. Sometimes it does not. Um, so it, to me, it kind of reeks of a meniscus that's a minor meniscus injury, maybe a partial tear or small uh, strain or something of that of that ilk. Um, and it th- and it makes a lot of sense because it's the same knee that he injured the MCL in last year. Um, so with the, when he's playing in, it, even though it's a charity game this summer um you know and it, it's a non-contact injury it probably is you know kind of the way he's still trying to uh, you know accommodate the old injury a little bit and so it's maybe just shifts and turns and twists a certain way um so I I, I don't think it's a major injury um hockey players have had meniscal tears and played through them for years um that's just that's just the way they are it's not a it, the difference between hockey one thing that a lot of people fail to realize is that hockey injuries some injuries in hockey are not nearly as dangerous or damaging as they would be in other sports and vice versa there are some injuries that aren't as bad in other sports that are far worse in hockey um and it's all because skating requires different you know muscles in the leg and different you know different way you're you're going to um actually play the sport that you're going to, that you're playing. So I don't think this is a major deal. you know, i see everybody reports, well, Ron Hextall said Sean Couturier is going to wear a brace this year. Well, guess what? <laughs> there are 20 guys in that locker room wearing knee braces. I mean, seriously, they, guys wear braces, knee braces under, you know, in hockey all the time. I mean, it's, it's more common than not that guys wear knee braces and it's not necessarily because they have knee injuries. It's just, it's just a way to you know for stabilization. So I'm not surprised Sean Couturier is going to wear a knee brace. I don't think this injury mattered as far as the knee brace is concerned. And the fact that Hextall basically came out and said he'll be a participant in the second half of the preseason and then and even get games in it tells me that this is nothing. If they were worried that this was like a serious or a semi serious injury or had a chance to be something longer than four weeks. They would have said, uh, you know, we'll we'll play it by we'll see how he does as we move along here and just kind of update us through camp and really kind of you know keep their cards closer to the vest. But when he comes out and says, "Oh yeah, he'll he'll play preseason games," that means they know it's not a major injury and it's not going to be affect him in in any way. So I don't think this is a big deal. I really don't. I I know people want to want to make something of it and want to be like, "Oh no, we can't afford to lose Coots." It's not going to. It, it, uh, there are other injuries that can happen related to the injury he had last year um, that would be concerning. This is
1: not one of them. So I guess that kind of transitions us into our next question uh, from Twitter. That would be uh, Joe Plaza or Plaza. depends on how you want to say it, I guess. At Plaza 14 on Twitter who says, Do you think Frost and Vorobiev will get looks in training camp with Katoria A out for most of it? Uh, do either of them have a realistic shot to make the team? And also said, keep up the good work, guys. Two exclamation points! You know it's serious when it's two. That's right. Um, Frost, Frost. You know we we talked about it on the last episode. The organization uh, currently is ranking Isaac Ratcliffe over Morgan Frost. Doesn't necessarily. I wouldn't say that, like, wouldn't say well, that they're ranking him over him, but they they just think he's closer. In, yeah, he's closer to being ready. ready. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's so what it is. So then I, you know, I, I guess that might be a, a slight addendum to the question that's being asked. Like if if that's the information that we got. That they might think that Ratcliffe is uh, more NHL ready, then I would expect him to play a bigger role in training camp going forward. Right, um, Verobyev. I don't know. I don't know how
0: Verobyev necessarily will, will fit or get a look, but. Well, I mean, here's the difference. I mean, so you're looking at, so you're looking for a center, right? So that's why he's asking about Frost and Vorobiev, because they're centers, whereas Ratcliffe's a forward. So um, I find it interesting that he asked about Vorobiev ahead of Rupsov, Um, even though we said that they're not interested, uh, that they're not interested, that they're not happy with Rupsov at this because
1: point. Because Joe listens to the podcast and knows yeah. that the organization is <laughs> very upset with him.
0: I, I don't know I, I think Frost is going to get a game probably um but I don't think he's really going to get a I mean really get a serious look um Virobiev I think is <clears throat> one of those borderline guys I, I again I, I think I mentioned you know Nick Albe Kubel um as a guy that that they really keep an eye out for I think that he's going to be he's making um, the team. I think he is. I mean, he's I, making the team. I think he will. I mean, again, you could he could come out and have a terrible camp and then not make the team. I mean, he's one of those guys that, you know, you can't sit there and say, oh well, he'll be okay come the regular season if he's not having a good camp. Like you know, if if Giroux goes into camp and he's you know, terrible, they're not going to say, oh well, gee, Claude Giroux's done and you know, and move him down the lineup or bench him or anything. Right? That's not going to happen. But a young player who's got no NHL experience. Those preseason games—they're the—they're the players that these games matter for, right? More so than anybody else. So, um, I think that there's a way you can play yourself off of that list. Um, but I—I, I, you know, I—I I think that they have enough guys there. I mean, I, I think that, I think that you know, mentioning Jordan Wheel as a potential center is a possibility. Um, I, I think that uh, yeah, maybe Vorobyev gets a gets a look. You still have Scott Lawton. You could always move Giroux back to center if don't need do it. be. Don't I'm, do it. I, I don't think it's going to happen either. Yeah. But I'm saying if you needed to do it for, you know, six eight games to, until Couturier were ready, let's just say if Couturier was you know really injured, um, yeah, why not, right? Yeah, I mean, it could certainly it could certainly. I'd be rather done. than
1: just move Patrick up to the top line for. Well, they will. Well, for, they will. For, but for you still need four. And...
0: You still need four centers, right? So I mean, yeah, some,
1: yeah, and then but I'm not as worried about the uh, the the fourth line you know like if you just shift everyone up a line yeah, or you know you. or like experiment with wheel as the fourth line center like that's fine yeah um, i hear you like I, I, I don't i don't want to change the way that the team plays and the team you know that top line will change if Giroux goes back to center it's yeah, my, inevitably going my, my to happen
0: big, my biggest concern for the flyers going into the season is that they don't really have a, a great third line that's my big that's to me is where they're they're not good enough I think I mean I think that there's still a couple questions on the back end of the blue line there's obviously a questioning goal um for now and I think that there's you know I think the fourth line to be honest with you I think the fourth line is fine I think they have enough fourth line type players who are good fourth line type players um but i don't i'm not a I'm not sold on where they're at third line right now I'm just not and it's not a knock on oscar Lindblom or Wayne Simmons or or Scott Lawton which is you know, they're probably the three guys who are gonna, you know, you're looking at for that third line. It's just not; it doesn't excite me. I a, see Simmons a having a bounce back
1: line. season. That's the I, that I think is he, where you and I are going to disagree. He could. I think he that's could have I, a bounce back season. That like if we were making a, a list of of storylines to keep an eye on, I like I think there is such a high probability that you know Simmons might in in the immediate aftermath of you know recovering from these injuries, like maybe he gets off to a slow start in the first like six or so games but i would not be surprised if you know come trade deadline he's in double digit goals at that point he's he's you know uh usurped or supplanted um maybe not jvr but somebody on on like the second power play unit he's kind of worked himself back in there and and he's causing mayhem in front of goal like that would not surprise me and then that kind of you know will lead us into you know the trade deadline of the question of do you do you blow the whole thing up do you mess up the locker room if if you know you can get something of value for him, because there's just really no way right now that I, I think we can build a scenario where the Flyers manage to keep or find the desire to keep Wayne Simmons at, at what the cost is likely going to be. But I do think he's going to have a bounce back season. So like I, I kind of disagree with you on the protection of the third line. Like I I think it's there, uh, and Oscar Lindblom having another year of you know getting himself not only acclimated to you know playing in the US but like really getting a full season of of NHL hockey under his under his belt and not being put in a position where there's a, a ton of high expectations
0: like i i think there is a, a chance of it happening there's always a chance i just don't think Oscar Lindblom is anything more than a defensive forward and that's okay you can have one of those guys and and, and he'll be a good one um, I don't think he's going to be a big-time point producer by any stretch of the imagination. Um, I like Scott Lawton a lot. I always have liked Scott Lawton. I think that there's a role for him on this team, and I think you're going to see him kill more penalties this year. And he's He's going to have a little bit more bite in the game than he's had before, but he's not an offensive player, so he's not going to score a ton of points. As for Wayne Simmons, I think he can have a bounce-back season and still not score. But how does that if that makes sense? Like I think Wayne Simmons can have a year where you watch him play and say, Yeah, he looks a lot like the old Wayne Simmons and not gonna put up thirty goals. Because you gotta remember when he was scoring thirty goals a season for the Flyers, half of those goals were coming on the power play. He's not gonna be on the first power play unless there's an injury, which, you know, could happen. Um, but I, I don't see where he's gonna play on that first power play. He's act to me. He's not even the first alternate to play on that first power play. Nolan Patrick probably is, because um, you're going to go Vorchek, Drew, Van Riemsdyk, Gostas, Bear. You know, I boy, I guess Patrick can be. Maybe go four forwards. Mm-hmm. M- maybe. I mean, I I guess Provy's got to be on power play one, right?
1: Who? Provy.
0: He's not. He was on number two last year. He was power play number two last year. I think he gets. So, like, out. so I, that, that's the thing. Like, I don't know where Simmons g- is going to get the goals. I, he's not going to score thirty goals playing with playing on the on the third line and with Scott too. with Scott Lawton and and Oscar Lindblom and the second power play. It's just not. That doesn't mean he can't have a bounce back season. He's just not going to be as productive. So that's why I don't like the third line. If there was a playmaker down there, if he was playing with Nolan Patrick then yeah, okay, maybe he could do it. Maybe he can get at least 20, 25. I, like, I look at it right now, if he's got to play on that third line for a majority of the season, I think he's a 17, 18 goal scorer. And that's not a bad thing, but I also, it's not, you're, you know, people are going to be disappointed. And that doesn't mean that he's not playing well. It just means he's not playing the role he used to play. I'm really sad. I'm I'm, <laughs> I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm honestly really sad just
1: that the, the prospect of Wayne Simmons going out as a flyer, yeah, in his in his final season and kind of going out with a whimper. I don't want it to happen. I want him to really to uh, stick it to you.
0: Um, I, I hope I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong. I really do. I just and and you never know. I mean, nobody's ever healthy. The team ever healthy the whole season, right? So if anybody in the top six gets hurt, well then Simmons moves move, up. You like, move yeah. Wayne Simmons up, and it's it's a good person to move into that spot, right? So what if
1: JVR gets now? Now, I, I don't want this to happen. What if JVR gets hurt early in the season or or middle of the season? JVR gets hurt. They put Simmons into his role, both on the power play uh, and on, you know, probably that first line or maybe they've shuffled in his second line and Simmons catches fire. And now all of a sudden you're in a spot where, you know, the guy that you ostensibly signed to sort of replace the production of Wayne Simmons in that role is now, you know, thrown down to like do you do you then put him on the third line do you take a, a red hot Wayne Simmons and put him you know back down on the third line like I I could see this almost becoming like the backup quarterback controversy and in, in, uh, in that case Adam,
0: you know you know in that case you know who you know who suffers you know who suffers <laughs> who's that Travis connect me yeah because he's more versatile because you can move him down and and you can use utilize his speed against another team's third line um, even if he doesn't score, it still it still brings that kind of value, that kind of possession value that you're looking for, driving the play kind of thing. If you're looking for advanced uh, stats, kind of stuff um, that really makes makes teams you know tougher to beat. Um, that, in a lot of ways, that's what teams you know. That's the new age NHL. You want your third and your fourth lines driving play and having speed and 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 you know dictating where the puck is, so that way. That's where the metric is important. Um, if you got if you've got good possession numbers on the third and fourth lines, then then you're going to be a good team because the top lines you know they, they you know what they know what their role is their role is to score the goals. But if the guys on the third and the fourth line are controlling the play and keeping the other team from having chances to score then that's what makes you a good team. And that's why they always say that you know, it, hockey is the ultimate team game because you need those third and fourth lines to be important. Um, and I think that that's the one thing that I could say about this potential third line of Lindblom, Lawton, and Simmons, if in fact that's what it is. Um, the one thing I do like about them is I think that they're very defensively responsible. And um, I, I, you know they may not score a lot, but they're not going to hurt you on the ice either. So I just I just wish that there was a little bit more playmaking ability there because I think you put too much pressure on the top two lines to provide all the offense and it'd be nice if you could just spread it out a little bit more. I would almost trade a little bit of their you know solid defense for a little bit more offense from that group. But anyway, um, so yeah, that's why I mean that so. He could serve a purpose on that role and can be a good player playing on that third line and not produce like he was before. And the fact of the matter is is that if he does that, let's just say, here, throw this one at you, Russ. Let's say we reach December and we're, I don't know, 30 games into the season and Wayne Simmons at that point through 30 games has six goals. But he's playing really good defense, he's killing penalties, that third line is actually producing pretty well. Are people going to be down on him? Or because he's not Wayne Simmons' 30-goal scorer? Or are, are are the Flyer fans going to recognize that he provides so much more in other areas and therefore they uh, they accept it? Yeah, I don't know.
1: I, I kind of feel like this is going to go into, it's not going to be like Pat Burrell territory. But it's gonna be it's gonna be enough where like it if he's only at six goals through thirty games, and it looks like he's got his speed back, his his lateral quickness back, and he doesn't seem to be hampered by major injuries. If he's only got six goals, I, I think that there is certainly going to be a large segment of the fan base that's gonna be down on him. But a lot of that is also dependent on the top two lines, uh, you know, their production. Because if if they're getting you know enough go, just I, I guess enough points overall, um, not only at even strength also at, you know in the power play, if they're getting production from those top two lines and it's you know even if it's lopsided but they're able to you know win enough games, um, I think that is going to be the thing that kind of dictates if six goals is you know a disappointment or not. Because if they're not getting the production on the top two lines then you start to look at a guy like simmons and say well he was somebody who could have helped in the past why isn't he helping now and then it kind of gets into that whole like is he really not good enough to crack into those top two lines so i think so much of it really does depend on on the production of the other players on the team i don't know if there's a scenario where there's going to be this like universal disappointment in him like six is low um but like if maybe but is it yeah i mean but is it through 30 games let's imagine let's let's say he plays a full season I have Let's to say he plays that, a
0: full season, and it, but I'm just throwing this out there. Let's okay. say he plays a full season. Um, that's like a pace for 16, 17 goals for the year. Yeah. Again, as a third line player, we're not talking top. You know, we're, we're assuming he's on the third line for 82 games. Doesn't get hurt. Whatever. That's just you know, and and that's the pace he's on. But maybe if I'll bump it to seven, because if it's seven, now you're on almost Seven's a 20 okay. goal pace. Yeah, right? so it's seven, okay. seven. It's amazing how six. one goal,
1: like one goal. <laughs> well, I, I don't know. I think it does a little bit. I, but again, like I would expect that thirty games into the season, there's an injury to somebody on the top six, and he's yeah. had a shot to move up and to to put the puck in the net, right? So, assuming all those things happen, then yeah, like six would be a disappointment, I guess, to some extent. Seven might be too. Like if again, if this like JVR thing, you know, plays out or, or something similar, Travis Konechny gets hurt, and you install Simmons on top line or second line or whatever if he's not able to you know it it doesn't necessarily just have to be goals either right like if he moves up and he's doing the dirty work in the crease and he ends up you know getting secondary assists or whatever like that's fine too like as long as he's contributing to scoring plays like then I'm fine um I don't know I I don't know if there really is that moment that that everybody uh I don't know if the city will turn on him I think that Simmons for whatever reason has done enough in his career to being in a spot where, like, I, I don't see people going out and explicitly hating Wayne Simmons or getting so down on him that somebody says, like, I, he's stealing money from the team. Like, I don't see that kind of scenario playing out. Um, We can't say that about everybody on this team. Like, if Claude Giroux and Jake Voracek have a rocky start to the season, it's going to be the same, you know, schmucks who have been screaming for years that it's time to trade them. Like, they're going to be out in full force. Simmons, I don't know. Like I, I think people will probably make the I don't know if it's an excuse, but they'll say, Well, he had all his injuries last year. Well, you know, he's getting older. And I, I think that he can go off with a whimper, but it'll be in a way where people are gonna be appreciative of him. I don't I don't see an ugly kind of divorce between the Philadelphia
0: fan base and, and Wayne Simmons. I don't know if that answers
1: your question. No, it's but I think it's a very
0: I think it's a very astute answer to be honest with you. And, thank you. Um I think you're probably right, and I think that there will be people who will be upset with it, and I think that that's your, you know, people who don't quite, quite understand. There's other parts to hockey besides scoring goals and getting points, um, and I think there are people who will give him more than enough slack, maybe too much slack, um, kind of like the you know the Chase Utley people. You know, when Chase was struggling at the end of the of the of his Phillies tenure. Um, you couldn't say anything, you still couldn't say anything wrong about him even though it was obvious that he wasn't the player he once was I think there will be flyers fans who do the same thing for Wayne Simmons if that's Wayne Simmons this season um and and the the reality is somewhere in the middle of that um, and there's too few people who operate in the <laughs> in the in the in little middle area um, but we'll try and stay there for you <laughs> and offer you both the pluses and the minuses uh, when we break it down as the season progresses.
1: Yeah, I think it's I think it's hard too. Like wh- when I think about why the fan base really seems to side with Sims a lot, you know, like I, it's I don't want this to, I don't want this to become like the uh, the big race debate. But like when when you think about the way that guys like let's say Odubel Herrera or Jimmy Rollins had kind of been. Um, despised by fan bases at certain points for things that have been said or what seemed like lackadaisical play a lot of times sports talk radio will take that there's one host specifically who uh who really likes to take this when he's you know low on topics and and build like two weeks worth of programming out of it and then gets mad when people say that they would really prefer to talk about the team now and not Jimmy Rollins from 10 years ago and why he wasn't as beloved as Chase Utley 610 anyway um you know when I want to think about like the way that those players are perceived. And a lot of times it it feels like the narrative that it's based around is the fact that they're, you know, African-American players or they are Hispanic players. And, you know, you have former club legends that come out and, you know, speak about the fact that, you know, Adubo Herrera can't be a leader because he doesn't speak English. Like all that kind of nonsense. There, there's like this weird stigma, I think, that exists in baseball Um where, you know, I, I always kind of imagine that because Philly is such a diverse city, you would think that guys like Rollins uh, Howard, like, you know, Ryan Howard, uh, back in the day. And, you know, even, yeah, like Latin American players would be a little bit more embraced, given a little bit more, uh, leeway than it seems like they might get in baseball. And I don't know if that's what the, the deal is with Simmons is that like, he's one of very few and he's, he's written this before for players for being like, he's one of very few black players in the NHL. And I don't know if it's just that Philly. Uh, loves having somebody who seems to represent the diversity that's in the city and a sport that, you know, truth be told, isn't that diverse. Uh, I, I don't know if, if there's a part of that. And if, if that's what it is, then that kind of flies in the face of, you know, what we've seen with the baseball team. Um, I, I don't know if, if that has anything to do with it, but I, I do know that, you know, I think the more people got to learn about Wayne Simmons and kind of learn about the guy and, you know, the piece that he wrote, Uh, was it for the Players' Tribune? It was, what was it called? The Astronaut, right? Where he wrote about the candidacy, um, for the, uh, the Hockey Hall of Fame. Um, why is the guy's name escaping me? Willie O'Ree. Willie O'Ree. That's right. Um, when you started to read the way that Simmons kind of talked about him and him as a trailblazer and, and, and you start to learn more about the way that, you know, Simmons by virtue of being a minority player in this league, the way that he impacts, you know, his home community and also the the greater Philadelphia area in promoting diversity in the sport, I think there's just so much about the guy that the city is drawn to. And it go, you know, it obviously transcends race. I think there's just a lot of reasons that the city is behind him. And I again like I think that's kind of why this this whole thing, like whether or not he has what we would consider to be a bounce back year, or if he has another what we would consider to be disappointing year, I just don't see the fan base turning on him in, in any way. And I think if they do, it it would be a shame.
0: Yeah. And that's again I don't know if that another. Makes sense. No, it makes it makes sense. It totally makes sense. So I mean look, we'll we'll see. We'll see how it goes. I mean Flyers are gonna make there's they're gonna do some stuff before uh the season kicks off in October. They're they're gonna do some some things. So they're
1: getting Eric Carlson, is what you're saying, which actually would answer uh, Justin Kent's uh, question on Twitter at Justin Kent, who said, "Would you trade for Eric Carlson?" And who is off limits?
0: I'm not sure anybody's off limits.
1: What? Ooh. I think Eric Carlson's the best
0: defenseman in hockey. Okay. Okay, and he, so de- he
1: apparently does not want to play for any Canadian team.
0: Yeah, I saw that. So we're, we narrow it to twenty three. Okay. okay. And here's why I think the Flyers could could. And I'm not. Gonna, I don't want to get anybody all worked up because I don't have any you know firsthand knowledge of this. But I think the Flyers could be a rational team that he would want to go to. And I'm not saying right now it could end up. It could end up being after next season. He could be two years before before he comes here. Point is, is that he wants to play in the U.S., and I get it. And, and a lot of that has to do with the, the dollars, right? I mean, it's it sucks to play in Canada when the, the dollar is not that good there, right? It's not strong there. And uh, team players have always said that. I mean, there's a lot of players who have always wanted to play in the U.S. But I think Carlson wants to get away from the scrutiny of the Canadian media because they're oppressive um when it comes to hockey i'm not just saying that you know in general they're oppressive i don't think they are but i think that when it comes to hockey they treat it like it's like it's life in canada and you know carlson's a bit of a quiet guy And he doesn't want to, you know, he doesn't want to deal with that anymore. Not to say that, you know, you come to a city like Philadelphia and suddenly we'd have to deal with us, Um, which might might not be all that much better than what it is. Because I've always said that uh, coverage of hockey in Philadelphia is not that different than it is in Toronto. Um, That said, um, I I think if you really look at, okay, who are the American teams – that have the prospects that are necessary to pull off a trade with Ottawa, because Ottawa's not going to give them away. Um, Ottawa's going to hold out for the best possible deal. And if you look at you know the top prospect lists that are being put out there, and you know there's several of them, and you know, but who ranks near the top? Okay, well, there's a bunch of Canadian teams. Uh, I can tell you that uh, Vancouver is frequently listed up there. The Maple Leafs are pretty high. Um, uh, Calgary's always considered high and Winnipeg's got a bunch of uh, really good players but you know if he's not going to play in Canada he's going to go to the United States so who's got the prospects in the US well the Flyers we know this right so they have they are ranked near the top of, of almost everybody's list um, Arizona but you got to remember they're being run by the league um, nobody really really wants to play in the desert so I don't see that I mean they got a lot of good young talent but I don't see that as a destination location for Eric Carlson. Carolina, I think, is an interesting one. It's a smaller market. It would probably be somewhere he would be really comfortable. Um, And they got a bunch of really good young players. They have a really young blue line, and he would really become the anchor of it. Um, So that's one that I think is a legitimate spot for him to go. And the only other one that I think that maybe has the prospects to get it done that's a us team is maybe tampa um, i don't know i, I you don't I, think jersey? no i don't think jersey has the prospects to get it done i don't i think i think that they're i don't think they're that great i i'm not even sure Tampa's is good enough i mean i i'm just kind of throwing it out there because they're ranked a little bit higher than most american teams but um they dra- you know where they're really good at uh, tampa they're really good at drafting depth like third fourth line guys which I, I'd already mentioned is an important thing um, but I'm the Ottawa senators are going to be looking for a top-tier type of prospect to come back their way uh, in a trade for Eric Carlson so you know while Tampa makes a lot of sense because they're on the doorstep of being a, a Stanley Cup team um, I I think that I, I think the Flyers are in the mix I do I think the Flyers are a team that could afford to trade the kind of you know the the depth that they have in their system to get a player like Eric Carlson. Although I still think Carolina might edge them out ultimately, I, but I wouldn't be surprised if uh, at some point we hear that uh, rumor starts to come out that Ron Hextall has kicked the tires on uh, Eric Carlson.
1: Huh, huh, huh. huh. Just the saying. Only, the I, only I, thing that yeah. I can think of that would be bad. Um, is the pin, the potential um, eating up of, of any remaining cap space unless you were to trade an NHL salary. So I don't know if, if Wayne Simmons is a guy that would intrigue the Senators as a veteran piece to go along with a prospect. I don't know if that's something that the Flyers it's not pursue. It's not enough. Know, but no, 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 but I'm saying to include as a way to kind of offset some salary so that you still have some cap flexibility if you need to or want to make an acquisition leading up to the, uh, the trade deadline where you don't feel like you have to, you know, trade one of your key contributing vets at that point i don't know if it's something they they consider pursuing but to me that at least financially could make a little bit of sense um yeah i i don't know carlson would be a great addition the the issue of course uh and i think this this kind of issue has been compounded by the signing of jvr for the the average annual value of that contract and and the the term length is they've kind of eaten up so much of of their future cap and they've continued to, you know, add to what has been a top-heavy set of forwards. Um, Luckily for them, they have such great depth uh, on the defensive side that, you know, they don't necessarily need to go out and acquire a lot of, uh, you know, big-time defensemen when you have such great organizational depth at that position. And you have a few guys that are going to be coming off the books at the end of the season uh, who are defensemen who are going to uh, hopefully be giving up their spots if they aren't beaten out in camp for those spots to guys like Phil Myers and you know obviously we hope Sanheim is up. So I don't know. Uh, I I'm not opposed you, to adding a big time defenseman, especially one who's as talented as Carlson. I think that's the thing that kind of puts you over the top within the division.
0: I, I'm gonna throw I'm gonna throw this just a hype complete hypothetical trade at you. I say it's, no, and see if you say yes or no. Would you trade Konechny, Sanheim, and one of your goalie prospects like Felix Sandstrom for Eric Carlson? Say it one more time. Konechny, Sanheim, and like a goalie prospect like Felix Sandstrom. Not Carter Hart. He's obviously their yeah, top goalie prospect, but maybe your next best goalie prospect, Felix Sandstrom.
1: All right, so can I be honest? Go ahead. Uh, I know that Konechny is only 20. I, I worry that the projection and the expectation of what Connectney is going to grow into is higher than what I think the reality is going to play out for him. So I, I like, I I guess I look at him as somebody who I think is going to max out at like sixty points maybe in a season, and it's still really early in his career, and so that's obviously not a given. So do I? It, at that point, it's effectively like I, I don't see a way that Sandstrom ends up becoming a, a key contributor to the team, especially because you think that you have. The, the goalie of the future and Carter Hart. So Sandstrom to me is, is kind of what it is. Uh, at that point it's, it's trading Carlson for Sandheim. So yeah, I guess, I guess I'd, I would. Yeah. If, if I know that I have a deal worked out a long-term deal with Carlson and it's not going to, you know, abolish all cap space that Ron Hextall worked so hard to get you out of that cap hell that you were in. Um, yeah. I, I think you have to, because, again, you know, and this kind of, I guess, comes back to uh, whose question was it? It was uh, Steve Appleman at, Sna- at Snap oh, 1E to be Snapple Apple on Twitter. He said, how would you rank the Flyers in the Metro right now? He said, I would put the Flyers third behind Pittsburgh and Washington. I think the Flyers are a little bit better than Columbus and have better top line talent. Well, you know, if, if the goal here is to win the division and to become a legitimate contender, Travis Sandheim and and and, um, and connecting don't get you there right now. In a few years, they do. And th- at that point, you kind of have to, as an organization, I think, you know, determine when is your best window to go for it. You know, Voracek and Giroux only have X amount of years left, uh, you know, for them to be highly productive players. So... I, you know, is it going for it in this window? Or are you looking to punt until Konechny continues to develop? The defensive core is is strong and are in their, you know, third or fourth years. Nolan Patrick has, you know, established himself as the top line center. And you know that you have Sean Couturier as a very competent and useful second line center. Like, is that the window that you think is best? Do you continue to ride out, you know, the, the ending years of Sidney Crosby, of Kenny Malkin, and, and Alex Ovechkin or do you also acknowledge that there are other teams that have young stars in this conference that you're going to have to fight with I don't know what the answer to that organizationally is with the Flyers so I, th- I think that's also part of it for me yeah I think I think it makes sense I think it would hurt I think in any good any trade that you make that is a good trade and is a fair trade is going to hurt both sides so it gives Ottawa back I think too much value but that said I think it's enough to put the Flyers over the top and make them a legitimate contender in the East. So you would do it. I would. That was but a really I, long I, answer to say yes. Yeah, I mean, I, but I, I would, had to yeah, kind of have to you know reason the whole thing out. Well, I it's I hear it's you. so much value. Like the goalie prospect is like I, I think is pretty meaningless at that point. Like I know that, that there are a lot of people who believe in Sandstrom, but you know Carter Hart is the guy. Hopefully, right. Yeah. So then it I, really I, is. Do you trade two two young players for Carlson? Yeah, I I think you kind of have
0: to. I, I, there might have to be more to it than that. I was thinking about it. I mean, they might have to throw in another guy, another prospect-y kind of guy.
1: Um, How about uh, Her- Herman Rupsov?
0: Well, could be. I mean, and yeah. even even still, I would still do it. Um, really, the only guy, there's only one player, um, one young player that I would not trade right now, and that's Provy Provorov for for Eric Carlson. I wouldn't. I think Patrick either. But go ahead. I, I might. Would you, <laughs> I might? Oh no! I, I know it would set you back a little bit on the a sun, with, bit. Your cent, with your center depth. Like, but bit? I might. Yeah,
1: dude. Yeah. We've been talking for how long about the fact that the Flyers don't have good center depth, and you want to take probably their their second best for center. the
0: best defenseman in hockey. Yeah, but the best defen- the best defenseman in the game. He will, he's a difference maker. He's, he's literally, he is that, 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 he's good. a, he's a big cap hit. And you're talking about getting rid
1: of a low priced. I got it. I understand. Like, I, I, don't, I, understand. I don't like the logic of that. I know I what understand. you're saying, but I don't like
0: it at all. But I'll tell you right now, he's got more value for the next three or four years. He sure he does. Know. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so if you're saying, so, I mean, ultimately this comes down to when you decide that you're going to go, go for it. Is this, is, are we entering that time period? It, you know, does the signing of JVR tell you that, uh, you know, I don't know.
1: I mean, all right, so let's play, let's play this hypothetical. So Sandheim, Konechny, Sandstrom are all gone. Carlson's here. Where does this team finish in the Metro?
0: They could finish second. Could they? Again, uh behind who? They could finish second. Well, so I I, I still think Pittsburgh's the best team overall. I agree. Um in the division. And I you know, Washington's the defending cup champ. I mean, so you can't you, you can't, you know, forget that. That said, I, I didn't think that they had a great offseason. Um and there's always that hangover kind of thing, hangover effect that could happen. I still think they're going to be right there. I I would probably still pick Washington second, but I could see the Flyers finishing with Eric Carlson on this team. Yeah, I could put them I can put them ahead of the Capitals. Um, without them, though, I think that it's a, they're maybe third, but maybe fourth, maybe fifth. Like I think that they're right in that that next group. I think that I think it's Pittsburgh right now. I think it's Pittsburgh, Washington, and then a group of three or four teams in that division. That could finish anywhere from three, four, five, six, um, without a problem, and, and that's what the that to me is why they like I don't think that the Flyers have done enough to separate themselves from that group. You trade for Eric Carlson, oh, you've separated yourself from that group. That's the that's the thing. Like, I, and so you have to make a decision if you're on Hextall. When is the time to try and make and separate yourself? I, to me, this is a time to do it. I think this is a good time to do it. I don't think that I'm not certain that they will, but I I think this is a good time to do it. I I think that he's ultimately waiting for a goalie. To be honest, I I honestly look at it and say Hexal, and I think Hexal goes, I can't win a Stanley Cup with Brian Elliott or Michael Neuver.
1: Probably you know. with Alex Lyon though, but not those other two because <laughs> Alex Lyon yeah. has gotten the uh, the snow the goalie stamp of approval. But yeah. Yeah, I, I I think you're probably I think, right. But if that's, that's the, the case, reason. then you're not tra- then you're obviously not going to trade Patrick Sanheim, Konechny. So you're well, you're I mean, hypothetical. That, but first of you're, all, first of all, let me, let me say this.
0: What? Let me say this. When I say I would trade Nolan Patrick, i not with all those other guys as well. Nolan Patrick obviously is higher up on the food chain than Konechny and Sanheim. So if I'm if I'm trading Konechny, Sanheim, Sandstrom. Uh, even if I throw in, have to throw in Hermann Rupitzoff. Okay, fine. But if I have to trade Nolan Patrick for him, I would still do it. But that's all you're getting. You're not so getting. It's a, it's a one for mul- one. Yeah, you're not getting multiple other. I mean, so I might. I, I, I pr- doesn't do that deal there. Well, no, I I could I, I could see maybe throwing in, you know, some depth players. You know, a couple of depth guys, but nothing.
1: Could I interest like him in Yuri Laterra? <laughs>
0: He's a great veteran you know what? leader. That's the kind of thing. Like I, you might have to say. All right, we'll give you Nolan Patrick, but you have to take some of our couple of our bad contracts. Maybe you take Yuri Latera, Maybe you take Andrew McDonald. You know, maybe that you man take... is a
1: top defense, a top pair defenseman.
0: I will not have you slander the great name of uh, Amac. You know, I don't like the slander of Andrew McDonald, but I can certainly recognize that he's got a bad contract. <laughs> I like um, the
1: slander of Andrew McDonald with a uh, <laughs> cup of tea in the morning.
0: <laughs> but I mean, so that's the thing. I mean, so it's a, it's a whole it's a completely different trade Damn. at that point. But you know, I don't yeah, like it. I, don't get me well, into these know, awful you know, hypothetical. This is—I know you know—they're all they're all hypothetical. There's nothing to it. I'm just—we're just having a conversation. But I mean, that's how much I like Eric Carlson. That's really how much I—that's how much of an impact player I think he is. Hmm. <laughs> and wherever he goes, and if even if it's not the Flyers, wherever he goes, he will immediately make that team a con- a contender. He's Kawhi Leonard. That's the there's there's your crossover that's a fair comparison i think yeah Yeah.
1: i think that's a fair comparison i mean let's be honest Kawhi currently plays wink wink for a canadian team he's not resigning in canada eric carlson doesn't want to resign in canada and you know why because canada is to blame for everything anyway (laughs) blame canada um I, i think we had one other question that came through go ahead um barry schaefer At Barry Schaefer 13 said, when do you think Nolan Patrick will surpass Sean Couturier next season if he progresses in three years or won't or he won't until much later on, if ever?
0: What do you think? I don't think it's that's a great it's a great question because I value Couturier so much more because of things that he does that don't show up on a score sheet. I was one of his biggest supporters for all those years when people were saying, um, Trey Couturier, he's not good enough, blah, blah, blah. Like I've I've liked him since day one. When he was 18 years old and he was killing penalties in the playoffs and shutting down Evgeny Malkin, like, I was sitting there saying, my God, this kid's going to be really good. And I still think he's just scratching the surface of what he can be over the course of the next, you know, seven, eight seasons. Um, so I, I'm a big Couturier guy. Nolan Patrick has more natural offensive ability than Sean Couturier. It's just, there's no question. Um, the kid's got really good hockey sense. He has a nose for the puck around the net. Um, and he it took him a while to kind of figure it out, but he started to figure it out a little bit. I don't think he can play a lick of defense. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think he's anywhere close to Couturier on the defensive side of things. And that's a big part of it for me because half the game you have to play defense. And, and, and I like a guy who's, you know, I don't need everybody to be a top end defensive forward. I mean, you know, Giroux not a top end defensive forward. He's, you know, mediocre uh, on the defensive side. Sometimes he's good. Sometimes he's not good. Um, so I mean I don't need Nolan Patrick to be a good defensive center in order to appreciate him or think that he's a top tier player. That said, I I think that that's a that's something that kind of keeps Couturier ahead of him. You know, Patrick can be a, Patrick can outscore Couturier. Patrick can be a seventy point player and Couturier can be a sixty point player, but Couturier be more valuable because of what he can do. So if I had to pick. When you say when does he pass him surpass him, I, if ever, I, yeah, I'm well. I mean, so I mean, Couturier is six years older than him. So I mean, I, I guess at some point Couturier will eventually slow down a little bit, and and Patrick will still be in his prime. So I can see that happening down the road. So I won't say it'll never happen, but I think we're we're a ways off. I think we're it's 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 a, a little bit of time yet before before that's the case. Wait till and Nolan that, puts thirty eight go goal, goals and, up this yeah, year. Yeah, I I get it, and that's not the that's not to say that Nolan Patrick goes past him and plays on the first line, and Couturier drops to the second line. Well, that's he means he passed him. It, it only means he's passed him on a depth chart. I don't necessarily means it, that means he's he will have passed him as far as ability. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. I. There's so many different ways of answering this question or even asking this question. So it was asked almost kind of vaguely and left it up for interpretation. So the way I'm interpreting the question, I would still say that the value of Couturier will remain higher than the value of Patrick for at least the next five, six seasons. Wow.
1: I I think he does it in three years, to be honest. I, cool. I, but I think you know a lot of it comes down to what you're actually valuing because at at that point I think Nolan will have supplanted um, Couturier as the top line center, and then I think it gets into flashy stats versus the overall game, and I think that's going to be kind of the beauties in the eye of the beholder because I think at that at at some point when if if and when Nolan's scoring around thirty goals um, a season, if that you know is is the path he ultimately ends up on or he becomes like a 75 80 point guy um, then like flashy stat wise if he's not playing a ton of defense like I don't know we maybe we stack that up against Sean Couturier who's still putting up you know modest numbers on the second line uh, being more of a, a facilitator and then being somebody who we know is going to still be one of the best defensive forwards in in the game I don't know um, I, I guess it really will come down to what the the person evaluating really believes about each of those guys and what's more valuable to the team.
0: Yeah. Uh, And I always, you know, I always think that a guy who plays Couturier style is the most valuable style you can have for any forward in hockey. I just think that that's it. I mean, I think he's a prototypical player. Like, if you had to create a player, obviously, you know, yeah, you could sit there and say, oh, well, I want, you know, Connor McDavid or I want Sidney Crosby or I want Alex Ovechkin. Yeah, they're all great players. And they're all, you know, among the best players in hockey. But if I was to say, You know, clone one guy and have twelve forwards just like him, or clone one guy have six defensemen just like him. I, 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 you know, I'm not saying that Couturier would be first on my list, but he'd be up there. He'd be near the top, certainly more so than Nolan Patrick would be. Let's put it that way. All right.
1: Before we go, there are two things that I want to do, and I, of course, I want to end the episode as as we end every episode now. Uh, with the fourth edition of Who's That Flyer. And I have a uh-huh. good one. I have a good one uh, queued up for you. Okay. But uh, really quick, we talked about this off-air. The uh, the Eagles, and we we mentioned a little bit earlier, the Eagles played to a 5 uh, nothing loss to the Cleveland Browns today. Uh, we're recording this. Wow, it's now Friday at uh, 1239 a.m. Do you know where your children are? And um, we were talking about, people getting super hyped up about eagles preseason football it's something that i i used to really love and i feel like this offseason uh was just so uneventful and this preseason is just the thing where like i don't see any real uh value to trying to evaluate anything i think it's funny how quickly people have turned on nick Foles. he hasn't had a good preseason but like it is what it is like he he just won you a super bowl and now there's like this the uh the wisdom in the city seems to be: if you are piling on Nick Foles, you're either a total jerk because you're unappreciative, but if you don't uh, jump on him, it's you've gone soft. Now that the team's won a Super Bowl, don't you want to repeat? I I can't get into preseason football this this uh, preseason. So many of the uh, elite players that they they have at wide receiver have not played. They were playing uh, Smallwood as the the fourth running back today was got the start. Matt Jones got benched. Like, do you find any enjoyment in in preseason football?
0: The only sport, the only sport that I find any enjoyment in exhibition season is baseball. And it's only because, well, two reasons. One, it takes place in a warm weather location. So if you're actually there, it's kind of cool. Just kind of be like, ah, getting away from the winter in Philly and go down to Clearwater and, you know. Hang out and watch some baseball, you know, even though the games don't matter. It's kind of cool, uh, but secondly, it, it it at least offers you a glimpse at the players and what they're going to do. And as the as the exhibition season in baseball progresses, you know the guys go from getting you know one at bat a game and pitching two innings to throwing six innings and getting playing a full game by the end. And so, like, you really get to kind of see that progression for the players as they're gearing up for what will be their regular season. No other sport, no other sport does this happen. Football may be the worst. And next week's game will be a total joke because it will, it will consist of, you know, of the 53 guys who are going to – or whatever, however many they're allowed to dress for the preseason – like most of them won't make the team. So what the hell are we watching it for? Other than the fact that we're degenerates and we gamble, right? I mean, that's what else could you possibly be watching that game for? Preseason is terrible. The Eagles have looked awful in preseason. Does that mean I think they're gonna be an awful team? No, they're gonna be a good team. They're gonna be just fine. and this is this is it's asinine to th- and you know it's no different in hockey the only guys that hockey preseason matters to is like there's like two or three guys and look here's the, you want to you want to talk about a sham the flyers will open training camp on september 14th right they will cut down to 25 24 25 guys by september 19th it'll be 5 days into camp and they'll already have sent people to minor the phantoms camp the minor league camp like they—they they already know. They know who they're bringing in. They know who they want their lineups to be. They have maybe one spot or two spots on the roster where they have question mark. Most teams, where you have a question mark, and say, yeah, it could be one this guy, it could be that guy. Okay, fine. But the rest, it doesn't matter. None of it matters. These guys to play these preseason games, all you do is risk these guys getting hurt. Nobody's getting into game shape. That's why the beginning of the hockey season is so dreadful games in October and November go so slow and whatever. That's why, you know, you'd sit there and say, wow, that game played at a much faster pace. It was like a playoff game. No, it's just at the beginning of the season. These guys don't care. They're not trying to get themselves really, really ready. They get themselves to a point that they know is is acceptable, um, but they're not out there giving, you know, 110% in September and October. It ain't happening. It doesn't happen in the NBA. certainly doesn't happen in the NFL. Let's just blow up the preseason entire. Like, Just get rid of it. Get rid of it. College football has it, right? They have no preseason games. They just go and play. <laughs> right? Just play. Just play the games. You want to make the seasons a little bit longer for some reason? Okay, fine. Like I know football's talking about that. Go ahead. Knock yourself out. Add two more games. Good. Don't All say right, make-
1: knock yourself out. They're going through a lot of CTE stuff, Anthony. <laughs> be, be sensitive, okay? <laughs> jeez oh
0: man try to it's find a, a little
1: bit of sensitivity in your body yeah, yeah. okay
0: no i i can't stand preseason sports I never you know what before.
1: i i think you're right we should we should put a lot more stock into uh to things like uh spring training and baseball you know it's it's not like you can have a a young prospect hit around 400 for the uh for spring training get a big contract and then you know it's not like he's going to crater and hit, like, 225 for a negative 1.2 war on the season. Not like that would ever happen to a king or anything. So, uh, yeah, you're totally right. Baseball is uh, is infallible, unfallible. So there we are. No, I didn't um, say it was infallible. I didn't no, say it was infallible. You, you're right. You're right. You did. I, I put those words in your mouth, and it's fine.
0: Yeah, it, it, it's just that you can see a progression for a player, you know. I, and I mean a veteran player as much as you can, as I mean a young player. There's always a risk with a young player. That's why when Kingery, you know, I mean, we don't have to get into baseball talk here on the hockey podcast, but you know that you have to, you always have to be careful with a guy like Kingery because he had never played in the you know in the majors before. Whereas you could sit there and watch um, Aaron Nola. And the first start of spring, maybe he only throws two innings. And so, okay, great, whatever. You know, he looked okay for those two innings. Or maybe he didn't. Maybe he got hit around. Maybe he was just trying to throw... His breaking stuff and no fastballs, whatever he was working on. But then, if you watch every game, and his next start, okay, now he's going to throw a little bit more. He's going to throw fifty pitches this game. Oh, okay, now he's going to throw, and then like you can see that progression and be like, oh, that's kind of cool. Like you can kind of see how they they're getting themselves ready for the season. Whereas in the other sports, these games they're just trying not to get hurt, <laughs> and it's terrible. It's terrible.
1: Uh, you want to talk about something that was terrible? Um, this is one other really quick thing. So I was uh, saw on the uh, Sports Center. Twitter account they uh they put up Diana Tarazi from the WNBA many considered to be one of the greatest players if not the greatest player of all time in WNBA history so she um she got mad I guess because one of her opponents um put up a picture of uh this this opponent put up this picture of herself kind of getting I I don't know getting like super hyped behind Tarazi it must have been after a win or something it's a go time playoffs baby and Diana Taurasi at two different points in this game, including after the, uh, the final buzzer was uh, clapping at this woman's face and said, who's clapping now? Female dog. Anyway, I thought that was kind of fun. Um, now it's time for a fourth edition of name. No, who's that flyer? Anthony, you should uh, have some you should have some like uh, music for this. I could. That would take time. And it's, uh, it's too well, late for that. No,
0: I'm not saying. Just for future. Think about no, this like for to, next week. To
1: edit it in. Okay, we'll yeah. take recommendations. Anybody... Ooh, okay, some kind of game put, show music. Let's put this out to the people. If there's anybody out there who's an audio engineer or enjoys doing editing of, of audio, <laughs> if you or, or someone you know are a songwriter or, or a musician uh, and you want to write or put together a, uh, a little Who's That Flyer music, feel free to do so and then uh, reach out to me on Twitter at Joy On Broad and I will... Uh, Put it up for consideration. Uh, Anthony, I mentioned before that I'm worried about the potential of Travis Konechny. Uh, now, for those who may forget, in 2017-18, in his 20 his age 20-year-old season, Travis Konechny scored 24 goals and 23 assists for a total of 47 points. The last Flyers forward to have those exact numbers came as a rookie uh, about six or seven years ago. Name that flyer, Anthony. Who is the flyer who most recently scored twenty four goals, twenty three assists? And I will tell you this. He was considered to be a front runner or one of the front runners for the rookie of the year.
0: So you're basically saying that it was a forty seven point season. With um, twenty
1: four goals and twenty three assists exactly.
0: Wow. Huh. Wow. That's an that's an interesting question. Um, hmm.
1: if I give you the specific year, will it help? Mm. I don't want to go too specific. I want I want to give the people some time. It was a Flyers rookie who finished fourth in Calder, uh, in the Calder Trophy uh, standings.
0: Interesting. I'm, I'm having a hard time with this one. 24 goals, 23 assists.
1: He played right wing.
0: Hmm. He had the most fourth who had, who place 20, votes. Who had twenty four goals as a rookie in recent? Years? Oh, I know who it is. <laughs> That's a good question. I know who it is. I know who it is. Um, All right, was on the was on the team last was on the team last year. I do believe so. Yes, Anthony. Yes, yes, yes he was. Yes, he was. Uh, as a matter of fact, um, did a, uh, was the winner. I did a, se- a segment when I worked for the Flyers, a video segment, and people may remember this. Um, I did a video segment. We actually went down to, um, oh, what's the name of that, uh, Co- the Constitution Center, to meet um, Will Farrell and Zach Galifianakis, and we did a Will Ferrell movie trivia quiz thing on the ride down, and in the car, it was in it. We were in a minivan. <laughs> it was me. Uh, we had guys, a guy driving, a guy, the, the cameraman shooting, and it was me, Zach Ronaldo, Sean Couturier, and this guy who knew every Will Ferrell reference possible. Matt Reed.
1: <laughs> Matt Reed is correct. <laughs> ding ding ding. That is the fourth edition of Who's That Flyer. <laughs> I'm glad we you are, enjoyed that. That was good. Yeah. That, that was cool a lot about. of that
0: was a that was a fun time. I wish that video was still around somewhere. That was uh, that was funny. It was uh, like Matt Reed knew all of the and Coots knew nothing. Like he knew none of them. He knew none of the references. You know
1: nothing, Couturier. I
0: I was reading lines from from Will Ferrell movies uh, or Zach Galifianakis. I think I was doing for both. And um, Zach Ronaldo knew a few. Because uh, I, I think Katuri got one I think he actually got one and he was like really pumped that he got the one that he got But Matt Reed knew like all of them He was such a, such a savant, a Will Ferrell savant So it was really kind of fun That's awesome That is the
1: insight that you can only get here at Snow the Goalie <laughs> So uh, with that, uh, let's, oh Anthony, we have two new iTunes reviews, five stars I guess oh. we should, uh, we should read those off because unlike Crossed Up, uh, your other show where you don't read I your I never reviews, remember
0: I never remember. If you were on the show, Russ, I mean, we would, you know, you know what you should do? You should edit yourself in at the end. Nope. Saying, hey, guys, here's your latest reviews. (laughs) Nope. People, uh, I think people are already fed up with my voice enough, as is. All right. So,
1: uh, that's kind of a reprieve on the uh, Crossing Broad Podcast Network. So, um, The first review is by Adam Arnold 14, who said, really great podcast, five stars. It's refreshing to have a Flyers podcast with such quality insight into the underappreciated farm system. Thank you. And uh, the second one was by Chris Kringle, 1977. Reeks of awesomeness, five stars. The episode that dropped on August 2nd is the best one yet, with great insight on the Flyers' intended off-season moves and the organization's opinion on prospects. Russ and Anthony have great chemistry and provide... A balance of strong opinions with strong, with solid hockey knowledge. Well, thank you, Chris. And thank you, Adam. Don't forget to go check out uh, Snow the Goalie on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, all those uh, lovely places that we have and wherever else you get your podcasts. But especially if you can uh, snag an Apple device or get yourself onto iTunes and leave a five-star review, that helps us in the rankings. It helps us. Uh, continue to get the message out about the podcast. And then, of course, do that for all the other shows on the Crossing Broad Podcast Network, including Crossed Up, a Phillies podcast with Anthony and Bob Wangle, who you can find on Twitter at bw Crossing broad. Go find uh, Phil Kaidel, co-host of Crossing Broad FC, on Twitter at Phil Keidel, that's K-E-I-D-E-L. It's not hard to spell, it's Phil Kaidel, And of course, Kevin Kincaid, who you can find on Twitter at Kevin Kincaid, uh, that man uh, hosts It's Always Soccer in Philadelphia. They dropped a new episode I was listening to uh, today. So, uh, oh, and of course, Crossing Broadcast, a show that I co-host from time to time with uh, the site's founder, creator, and uh, extraordinaire. That would be Kyle Scott, who you can find on Twitter at Crossing Broad. So uh, we haven't really talked about it, and I think it's going to be something that Kyle and I will go more into detail on the next episode. So we've been so spotty recently with our... uh, our programming, and then he made the announcement on Twitter. So now it's it's kosher kosher to say uh, he and his wife uh, invited their uh, their second child into the world on his birthday, and so uh, that's I think that's played a little bit of a role here. Is the uh, anybody who has a spouse who has uh, given birth the uh, the last few months especially I think are a bit of a slog and uh, can throw you off your game a little bit. So uh, congratulations. To, uh, to that family, the the Scott family, uh, and uh, they now have a second child, and uh, little Kyle is now a big brother, and that's very exciting, so uh, don't forget to go uh, send your congratulations over there to uh, to Kyle and his wife and, and the family. So, uh, that's, uh, that's positive. See that, Anthony? We ended on a nice, positive, warm, fuzzy note. That's awesome. We started with a cupcake. We end with childbirth. This has been Snow the Goalie, part of the Crossing Broad Podcast Network, and of course, if you are interested in sponsoring one of the shows or all of the shows, uh, don't forget to reach out. I guess probably to me, I'm probably your best line of uh, communication for that, and uh, we will uh, you know, engage you in that conversation. It's a great way to get, especially for small businesses that might be listening, it might not be uh, as cost prohibitive as you might expect, uh, and it is a great way to get your message out about your business to thousands of listeners every week on the Crossing Broad Podcast Network. So uh, consider that. And uh go check out the other shows, uh rate them five stars, leave reviews and all that, and we will read them on the shows. So, uh until next time, uh I guess it'll be what? Next Thursday with a uh an interview with Alex Lyon. Uh that's Anthony at Ant San
0: Philly. I'm oh, Russ. I, th- I thought you, I thought you were gonna, I thought you were gonna forget. You what? mentioned everybody else's Twitter handle. I thought you were gonna forget mine. Hey buddy, I started this whole thing with you.
1: I can't <laughs> forget you. <laughs> I'm so hurt that you thought I would forget you. So uh, that's that's Anthony, the scorned, the scorned cupcake eating Anthony San Filippo. You can find on Twitter at Ant San Philly. I'm also upset that you uh, you ate a Hostess instead of a uh, a tasty cake. I'm, I ate what that was available. To that me. one's that's gonna it. that's gonna stick with you. Well, you know what, Anthony? That's not a that's not a good enough excuse, man. Like you know, if if you were presented a can of raviolios that you uh, you jibed me on uh, in the beginning of the episode. You're going to tell me that you would eat that can of uh, raviolios? I don't know if you would. I would not eat the can of raviolios. Well, no. then, you know, I expect you to show a little bit better discretion in your uh, baked goods. So, uh, yeah, there's that. This is going to be a conversation off air that we're going to have to have. We have to hash this one out. So, anyway, for Anthony at Aunt San Philly, I'm Russ at Joy on Broad, and we will talk to you again next week.
0: Later.